They say revenge is a dish best served cold. So what do you think would be the best measure of revenge if your partner refused to cut your vacation short after your father died unexpectedly? How about marrying them, having a baby with them, letting them fall in love with that baby, then murdering that baby in cold blood? Sounds a little far-fetched, doesn't it? Well, they also say truth is stranger than fiction, and this is the very real story of Ronald Shannabarger, his wife Amy Parsons, and his seven-month-old son, Tyler. Thanks for watching True Crime Recaps. I'm Chris. On November 26, 1998, Amy and Ronald welcomed a beautiful baby boy into this world. They named him Tyler and looked forward to a future full of first words, baseball games, college graduation, and wedding bells. But Tyler's birth was just another cog in Ronald's elaborate revenge plot, stage three specifically. The plot began in 1996 when Amy and Ronald were still dating. They'd gone on vacation in October, a cruise according to most reports. Whether on that cruise or shortly before, Ronald's father passed away. As the story goes, Amy refused to cut the trip short. Ronald could go home and grieve after their vacation. And from that day on, he resented her. But breaking up with her would be too easy. He wanted her to know exactly how he felt. He wanted her to feel the same way. So he hatched a four-step plan to enact his revenge, beginning with a wedding in May of 1997. Amy's parents, Robert and Latrell Parsons, welcomed Ronald into their family, blissfully unaware of his heinous intentions. Step two of his plan began when Amy got pregnant in February of 1998. Do we sense a Valentine's Day connection here? We wouldn't put it past Ronald to time out the conception of his child. After all, he wanted to coat every step of his revenge plot in love, romance, and sentiment. She gave birth in November on Thanksgiving Day, and the family welcomed baby Tyler into their arms. Amy's parents were thrilled with their new grandson, couldn't get enough of his laugh and smiles. Meanwhile, Ronald moved on to step four. He let Amy fall head over heels for Tyler for the next seven months. He played the loving father role like a trained actor, and his wife never suspected a thing. One friend even called him the All-American Dad. On June 19, 1999, the day before Father's Day, he officially enacted his revenge. While Amy was at work, he entered baby Tyler's room with a piece of plastic wrap and suffocated the seven-month-old child. He then left to go putter around the house. He fixed himself a snack and brushed his teeth before returning to the crib to take off the plastic and roll the baby onto his stomach. That done, he left him for Amy to find when she got home. But Amy was exhausted after a long day behind the cash register at a grocery store, and she knew she had a big Father's Day ahead of her the next morning. Assuming Tyler was asleep, she went to bed herself. She woke the following day and checked on the baby in his crib. To her horror, she found a dead infant, stiff and purple from rigor mortis. Ronald was completely calm and cold. There was no comfort to be found there. The Indiana State Coroner ruled Tyler's death as Sudden Infant Death Syndrome, or SIDS, which sadly takes about 2,300 babies every year in the United States. Doctors don't know much about what causes SIDS, though there are a few working theories. Theories that Ronald seemed to know about. 
Researchers believe SIDS comes from a baby's inability to wake itself up when it can't breathe. SIDS usually occurs when a baby sleeps face down and rebreaths its own CO2. Usually, the brain recognizes rising CO2 levels and wakes the baby up. Then the baby can roll over, turn its head, and go back to sleep. SIDS babies never wake up. The triple risk model for SIDS identifies three characteristics that usually occur. The baby has an underlying brain abnormality. The baby rolls over onto its stomach during the night. The baby is in a vulnerable developmental stage, a.k.a. the first six months. Ronald hit on two of the three conditions. Short of a complete autopsy, the coroner could only assume Tyler had some kind of brain problem. Amy's parents showed up that morning for their planned Father's Day celebration only to hear the horrible news, but Ronald insisted on giving Robert his Father's Day gift, a commemorative knife. Kill the man's grandson and give him a knife as a present? Yep, that sounds like our Ronald. Several more oddities emerged over the next 48 hours. Reverend Randy Maynard, a volunteer chaplain for the Franklin, Indiana Police Department, accompanied officers to the Shanna Barger home that morning. He remembers how cold Ronald felt. While grief cripples most parents when their baby dies from SIDS, he seemed distant and never consoled his crying wife. And there's the insurance policy. The $100,000 insurance policy Amy and Ronald had on baby Tyler. Now, Buying life insurance for an infant sounds pretty silly, but there are such plans aimed at building wealth as the child grows. You've probably heard of the Gerber Grow Up plan. We don't know what kind of policy they had, but we do know that Ronald already had plans to spend half of it. One of Amy's close friends told the Courier Journal as much. She said Ronald wanted to spend all the money and asked Amy if they could continue their marriage without baby Tyler. Ronald's story grew from a revenge plot and blossomed into a get-rich-quick scheme overnight. But the image of his son's purple face haunted Ronald's thoughts. After all his wicked scheming, he couldn't live with what he had done, and two hours after the funeral, he confessed to Amy that he killed baby Tyler. Maybe it was the shock, or maybe fear for her own life, but for whatever reason, Amy spent the night with him. They drove to the police station in the morning, and she escorted him inside so he could confess to the cops. According to the chief, Ronald confessed three separate times, each time telling the exact same story. He wanted revenge on Amy and smothered baby Tyler. He recorded two confessions with police, then sat down again with Reverend Maynard. The priest told him their conversation wasn't confidential, but Ronald didn't care. He recounted the same story. And he kept on spilling his guts. His lawyer arranged a prison visit between Ronald, his sister, and her husband with the stern warning, anything he said was not confidential. But that didn't matter. He still told them everything and made sure they knew that Amy wasn't involved. He purposely waited until Tyler was old enough to roll over on his own so he could make it look like a Sid's death. Ronald sat on suicide watch in prison as his lawyer prepared for trial. He showed up to an early hearing wearing a brown flak jacket over an orange prison jumpsuit. He mumbled short answers to the judge's questions, but when asked if he had enough money to pay his attorney, Ronald dared to say, I don't know, I'd have to check with my wife. Before the trial kicked off, Reverend Maynard paid Ronald one final visit in prison. Until this meeting, the man of God had met and prayed with the worst of the worst. Murderers, rapists, you name it. 
On every occasion, he forgave every one of them. But in his own words, Ronald made the priest commit a crime of the cloth. Ronald was depressed and kept complaining about prison life. He was worried about getting raped in jail and was afraid to be alone. But he never acknowledged his crime, never showed any remorse for Tyler's death. His callous heart blew the chaplain away. He'd never met a man that made him so sick to his stomach. He seemed more concerned with all the things he'd lost. He mentioned his job, house, money, wife, and friends, but he forgot to mention the most important person. He couldn't even say his name. When the reverend reminded him that he lost his son, he only said, Oh yeah, I lost the boy too. That's who Tyler was to him. The boy or the baby. That was the final straw. The reverend refused to forgive the murderous father, even though forgiveness was the Christian thing to do. He never wanted to see Ronald again and told the New York Post, if I could just get a hold of this guy for five minutes with some plastic wrap. The jury heard plenty of witness testimony about how Ronald confessed to Tyler's murder. They read over 50 letters he penned to his wife, admitting to killing the baby. He practically told everyone in Indiana about how he did it, and the story became front-page news. They even had to bring in jurors from outside Indianapolis to avoid tainting the jury pool. But at the end of the day, there was little physical evidence tying Ronald to the crime. Police recovered the plastic wrap he used to smother Tyler, but testing concluded it was only consistent with Tyler's DNA. All they had were Ronald's multiple yet uncorroborated confessions. So his lawyers argued he was dumb and gullible. They pointed out his low IQ of 88. They claimed Amy coerced him into making a false confession to cash in on the $100,000 life insurance policy. Apparently, they made a strong enough argument to keep the jurors deliberating for eight hours over two days. But in the end, they didn't buy it and they found Ronald guilty of murder. When they delivered the sentence, he was heard saying, I'm just shocked. On June 13, 2002, the judge sentenced him to 49 years in prison, though he'd be eligible for parole after serving 23. But this wasn't enough for Amy's family, who wanted to see him in jail for the rest of his life. It was his lack of prior crimes that influenced the judge's decision, and without his confession, Tyler would be another Sid's baby, and his father would have taken his dark secret to his grave. As Amy left the courtroom, she looked at Ronald and reportedly said, Happy Father's Day. Then her father followed behind, glaring at his son-in-law, saying, You'll burn in hell for this. Ronald's story ends once he was hauled off to prison. Technically, he's up for parole in 2023, so we'll see what happens when the time comes. After Tyler's death, Robert was known to wear a gold cherub pin as a token to his grandson. Before the trial, he said, We don't want vengeance. We want justice. While he didn't feel like justice was served then... Perhaps he's changed his mind. Ronald's case shone a new light on Sid's cases. Remember the original coroner's report said Tyler died of natural causes? If Ronald had kept his secret to himself, he would have gotten away with murder. We've only been using SIDS as a cause of death since 1969 when it was first proposed after infants kept dying unexpectedly. But this case begs the question, how many SIDS babies are actually homicides? Early studies suggest between 2 and 10% of all SIDS cases were murders. Other papers believe those numbers were much higher, upwards of 20 or 
Ultimately, the jury is still out on how many SIDS cases are actually murder. Another paper claims those early numbers were grossly overestimated and based on opinion rather than evidence. Then there's the difference between murder, manslaughter, and pure negligence. For example, an Ohio mom was charged with involuntary manslaughter in September 2022 after she lost her second child to a co-sleeping incident, only a year after losing her first baby in another co-sleeping incident. For the record, co-sleeping is when you share a bed with your infant, and it can be very dangerous. It's associated with a heightened risk of SIDS as the parents can accidentally roll over and smother the baby. Most experts agree that babies younger than two should sleep alone in a crib or a bassinet. But SIDS awareness isn't anything new. In 1992, seven years before Tyler's murder, the American Academy of Pediatrics launched the Back to Sleep, now called Safe to Sleep, campaign. They urged parents to ensure their babies slept on their backs or sides to reduce the risk of SIDS. In 1996, they removed the side sleeping portion and said babies should only sleep on their backs. So let's circle back to Ronald's defense strategy, that he was dumb and gullible, and Amy made him do it. Clearly, that 88 IQ was smart enough to understand the literature at the time. He knew how to make Tyler's death look like a Sid's death. So accurate that it tricked the coroner. But to throw one last saying into this story, the best laid plans of mice and men often go awry. Ronald executed his revenge plan perfectly, but he grossly underestimated how bad he'd feel after suffocating baby Tyler. Hopefully, prison lived up to his worst fears. And that's your recap. Thanks for hanging out with us today. If you like getting all the crime in half the time, go ahead and tap that subscribe button so you never miss a story. But don't go away. Catch up on more recaps right here, right now. Until next time, take care.